everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Bill Gates texts you. That's right, the founder of Microsoft. He wants a meeting with you. He offers you this incredible deal, this amazing package to work with him for Microsoft. You show up for the first day and you don't know what in the world you're supposed to do. You ask someone for a job description, no one knows. You're sort of there in limbo. Do you work for Microsoft? Yeah, but I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. You know what the truth were known about today's subject matter, the family? I think I just described a lot of us when we think about family. Yeah, we understand the family. We've been offered this amazing role. We didn't really choose it because all of us are a member of a family. Yet, if we really drill down, the majority of us don't know what we're supposed to do. We have no idea of the structure of our job description, and we sort of live in limbo. We take our cues from the culture. Maybe we've read a couple of books, and that's about it. Too many families these days, I, I believe, are fragmented. They're, they're, just, they're just existing as opposed to really thriving. Well, I'm in a series called, you can see it, Family Business. Last time I talked about your family is a trauma center. Your family is a hospital. If you missed that, please check us out at fellowshipchurch.com and watch the first installment of this series. Today, I'm talking about the family is a corporation. That's right. I want you to think about your family as a corporation. Structure is important when it comes to a corporation. Obviously, Microsoft has an amazing structure. That's the reason they make squillions and squillions of dollars. Their structure, I know, is, is great. People know what they're supposed to do. They understand their, their responsibilities, their job descriptions. There's a corporate structure. There's a founder and CEO and president and so forth. Well, when it comes to today's subject matter, a corporation, I would argue, that's much more valuable, much more important than Microsoft. When it comes to the family corporation, do you know what you're supposed to do? Because it's time that we understand the 411 before we have to dial 911. It's time that we see and understand and own the fact that the family is a corporation and it's structured, I love this, for your success and mine, the family. Several years ago, I went to the seventh game of the Stanley Cup playoff. And the reason I was able to go to this game was because one of the players for this particular team attended fellowship. So he got Lisa and I some sweet seats and we were sitting with the families and it was a pretty intense game. Well, because we'd driven several hours to this venue to watch the seventh game of the Stanley Cup, we were sort of hungry. So, so after the first period, we were like, hey, let's, let's go get something to eat. So as we 
went to get something to eat, we had to negotiate these, these stairs and the arena where we were watching this, this, this hockey game, the, the stairs had this amazing, this, this scary descent, almost like you're d- descending, I don't know, the, maybe a peak in the Himalayas or something like that. Well, Lisa was walking in front of me. I was walking behind her. I slipped, knocked her feet out from under her. We tumbled down at least 10 steps into the crowd of the players, wives, girlfriends, children. Of course, they thought we were drunk. We, we weren't, but we, we had just slipped and fallen and it was highly, highly embarrassing. We got up, brushed ourselves off. And you know, when you fall and do something that embarrassing, you act like everything is cool. So we walked to the concession stand and got something to eat. I think a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of parents, a lot of moms and dads are sort of in that scenario. I think we've slipped and fallen from the place we were supposed to be. Maybe we've slipped and fallen from the position we're supposed to occupied and we've fallen and because the father has fallen first, he's knocked the, 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 the legs out of his wife, the mom, and, and then it's caused this domino effect in the family. It goes back to structure. It goes back to understanding who you are and what you're supposed to do. Because when we understand what the family is, then we can understand what the family is supposed to do. What is the family? Well, the family is a business. What is the family business? Here's a good definition of a family. A family is a unit ordained by God with the sole purpose of developing full court followers of Christ. The family is is a unit, a team, developed by God to, to churn out disciples. Obviously, the goal of the family is oneness. In other words, the family, your family and mine, should be a microcosm, a mirror of even a greater family, the family of God. That's the family. Have you ever thought about the family? Uh, the family is not some product of evolution. It's not something that just happened. It's not something that, that psychologists or anthropologists have said, oh yeah, that's, a, that's a, what we have to do in order to survive. No. The family has a supernatural structure. And the structure has been given to us, this corporate structure, by our amazing and transcendent God. In a series like this, Family Business, some of you are saying, well, I'm single. Does this really have anything to do with me? If you think about it, it has probably even more to do with you than it does those of us in this family situation because most of you will end up getting married and most of you will end up having kids. I think it's, 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 it's appalling. I think it's uh, paradoxical that we have so much teaching and training for so many other things in life, yet when it comes to the most important thing, the family, we go in clueless. Like, if you like to play golf, I mean, talk to any golfer. They're taking 
golfing lessons. They're talking to the pros. They're reading stuff. And, 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 and that helps our golf game when we do that. Well, think about the family. I mean, golf is cool and all that, but the family is much more important than golf. Yet we walk into it and rarely do we have any education, any training when it comes to this important unit ordained by God. So it's vital that everyone shows up here. If you're a student, you need to know your role. If you're a single parent, know your role because you even have a greater responsibility in a lot of ways. So today I thought I would talk to you about the corporate structure of the family because a family is only as successful as its structure. Like a company is only as successful as its structure. A team is only as successful as its structure. Your body and mind physically is only as successful as its structure. God, you can write this down, is the founder of the family. And it's the sole purpose of God, let me say it again, for, for family members within this, within this unit to use their aptitudes and abilities to, to become these full court followers of Christ. God is the founder. The CEO is dad. Now, I know I'm going to have some pushback when I talk about this. I'm just simply telling you what God says about it. The father is the CEO of the family, the chief executive officer. The mom in this nuclear family, let me use that as an example. The mom is the president. And then the kids, well, they're, well, they're kids. They're definitely shareholders. They, they definitely have a lot of responsibilities and things. But in God's structure, God is God. Marriage is marriage. And kids are kids. That's the structure of the family, the corporate structure. Let me say it once again, God is God, he's Lord, he's number one. Marriage is marriage, marriage is the only relationship that's analogous to God's relationship to his people. And number three, kids are kids. God is God, marriage is marriage, and kids are kids. That, friends, is the corporate structure of the family. Every single member in the family is equal. Let me say that again. Everybody is equal in form, unique in function. Go back to Microsoft. Everyone at Microsoft who works there is a, is a person. On one hand, they're equal. They're equal in form, yet unique in function. Bill Gates has a different function than one of his senior vice presidents or someone else who's in charge of marketing. The same is true in the family. When it comes to being a father, you're the CEO. When it comes to being a mother, you're the president. Well, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that we're to submit one to another. We're to submit to one another. So in areas where Lisa's strong, I submit. In areas where I'm stronger, she submits, yet the final decision rests on my shoulders. I'm not superior, and if you know her, you know that's not true, but I've been given the leadership responsibility. And too many men, we've abdicated that 
because we don't want the responsibility. We don't want the accountability. And if we back off and place off, what happens? The wife comes in and she takes over. She's not made to run the show. She's not made to be CEO. We have too many emasculated men, too many snowflake guys floating around as opposed to guys being men. Our families need men, men who love God, men who were real men. That's what we need. So don't apologize for leading. Don't say, well, I'm sort of, no, no. You're the CEO. Your wife is the president. You submit one to another. You listen to advice, but at the end of the day, even after your shareholders meetings, even after the board meetings, it's your call. Now, often I will say, wow, I'm gonna do something this way with our family. Then after I sit down with President Lisa and talk, I'm like, I didn't think about that. I submit to you and I do something else. Or maybe I choose another way. But own the fact, guys, that you are the leader. You're the spiritual leader. Lead out in prayer. Lead out in going to church. Lead out in reiterating the supernatural structure of the family. Don't play soft. Don't apologize. Don't play defense back on your heels. Be a man, the man that God has created you to be. Because in marriage, when a husband and wife have sexual intercourse, you've got the male aspects of God and the female aspects of God joining together. That's why sex is saved for the marriage bed. Also, kids see the oneness. They see the male and the female qualities of God and they see the oneness, and they in turn do what? They want to replicate that in their own lives, in their own families, as they individuate. And need I say again, mom and dad, when I say marriage is marriage, need I say again about the date night? Guys, you dated her to get her to say I do. Now you need to continue to date her because the date night, at least once a week, is an oasis in the middle of the week. It's for the husband and the wife, but also it's for mom and dad, and also it's for the kids, because the kids see and they learn the priority of the marriage, and they learn that mom and dad spend time together, and they learn how to treat members of the opposite sex, and they learn when they get old enough to do the same. So a date night is a cool thing to say. It's sort of popular, but, but we need to make sure that we live it out and do it because if you don't date your spouse, someone else will. So God's structure for the family. It's found in a Google Earth view of the book of Ephesians. If you look at the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, it pretty much outlines the priorities and the corporate structure that, that God desires. 
For example, if you look at Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul wrote this and, and he's saying, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's the fuel of the family, is it not? Make every effort to keep unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In the family, we see in Ephesians 4, and in your life and mine, oneness is the key. God, if you think about God, is all about oneness. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that the, that's the Trinity, three in one, one in three, but there's oneness. In marriage, the Bible says, for this reason, Genesis chapter two, verse 24, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, the two shall become one, oneness. I would argue in the family, we have to think and own and move toward unity that only comes through acknowledging, hey God, you're God and I'm not. You're God and I'm not. So as children, we see our parents hopefully modeling unity, hopefully modeling oneness. Then we see that model, then we go out when it's time to leave and then form our own families and then you have this beautiful aspect of multiplication going on. So we see God. Then in Ephesians 5, we see, we see marriage. The Bible says, if you look at verse 21 in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The whole, the whole gist of Christianity, the whole gist of following the Lord is what I said a second ago. God is God. We aren't. God, you're the authority in my life and I submit my life to you. That plays out primarily in our relationship with God, secondarily in our earthly relationships. All we have to do is take a panoramic view around our culture and see that so many people have authority issues. God is the authority of the family. It's his way, it's his setup. It's his corporate structure. We either follow it and we have success or we don't and our lives end up in, for the most part, in the deep, in the deep weeds or they end up never achieving what they, what they could have, what they could have done. So submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. And then it, and then it continues and it gets really, really convicting. It says in verse 22, it says, Here's what submission looks like. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow, those are heavy verses. They basically say the man is the CEO, the wife, the woman is the president, the man is the leader. Again, let me state, equal in form, unique in function. This is God's way. This is not the culture's way. This is not what 
popularity says is the way. Because if you look at our culture, our culture is telling us, like for example, if you're a guy and you feel like a girl, you can use the women's restroom. Or if, if you are, are a woman and you have a desire for women, you can get married and then you can adopt a child. Our culture is, is really clueless when it comes to understanding the structure of the family. And we've tried to tweak the family. We've tried to redefine the family. Yet it's time that we go back and understand what the family is so then we can understand what the family does. So hopefully you see this, this structure. God is God, marriage is marriage, and then kids are kids. Basically, the Bible says two things about kids and two things that kids are to do. And Ephesians 6 says this. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. So kids are to honor their father and mother and then obey their father and mother. See the authority structure, see the corporate structure playing out. We submit ourselves to God, submit ourselves one to another. Kids submit themselves to their parents. You have something beautiful taking place. The corporate structure. So if you think about the corporate structure, what is the ROI? What's the return on our investment? Well, that return starts very, very rapidly. But, but let, me, let me tell you how, how it goes in most families, in most situations. Here's, here, here's how the structure goes. A guy and girl start dating. And the guy, he's going to do anything to get that girl to say, I do. It's sort of like a deal being closed. She says, I do. They walk down the wedding runner. The guy's going, wow, I got this deal done. And the girl is thinking, wow, I'm just starting my very own Hallmark movie. Well, the guy kind of, kind of says to himself, well, I've got that deal done. They've got freedom because it's just the two of them. But the guy says, I've got to be their provider. So he goes out and chases the career. At the same time, the woman, she's like, wow, you know, she's enjoying everything, but not to the level that she thought. Then they find out they're pregnant. They have a child and the child comes into the world. And both of them think that having a child will draw them closer, which is not true. I'm telling you, it's not true. So they have a child and, 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 and then it, it, it just intensifies because now the dad is like, well, I've got to make more money. I've got to do more stuff. So he's chasing his career in a more focused way. The, the, the wife now, she might even work outside the home and she's chasing the uh, child around and she's, and she's uh, taking care of the child. So you see you have some marital drift going on. In, in, in a way, the, the husband resigns from his number one priority, that of being a husband, and he becomes sort of the career guy, the father, whatever, Disneyland dad. And, and the wife resigns from her number one position, that of being a wife, and she becomes a mother. And, and, and what happens is, when the child is surprisingly young, I'm talking about 
the typical family corporation. When the child is, is, is just a little thing, the child looks around and says to himself or herself, I'm going to take over the house. I am going to do a hostile takeover. The child does it covertly and overtly because once the child realizes that, that he or she is sitting in the corner office, once the child realizes the parties and the perks of being the man or the woman, once mom and dad start revolving their lives around that child at a surprisingly, at a shockingly young age, watch out. Throw in an attractive coworker or someone else around the neighborhood of the gym and you've got serious, serious problems. Or let's say the parents just continue revolving their lives around the kids because our culture says it's the kids, it's the kids, the kids are the most important thing. They're not. Our children are not the most important things. It's the marriage. The definition of parenting that I've written about extensively in four or five books, I've also taught about in seminars, I've taught in seminars all over the place. Parenting is, is teaching, that is Deuteronomy 6, and training, Proverbs 22, 6, your children, Genesis 2, 24, to leave. It's the process of teaching and training your children to leave, to have responsibility, to learn, and then to start their own corporate structure. For that to take place, God has to be God, the marriage has to come in second, and thirdly, the kids. Obviously, I would give my life for my kids. There's, there's, no, there's no doubt about it. However, the marriage has to stay the centerpiece of the relationship because spouses stay and kids leave. So going back to this scenario, you've got the orbiting of parents around the lives of kids. And if they hang in there in the marriage, then the kids finally leave home and mom and dad look at each other and go, who in the heck are you? I want to talk about some issues that, that parents deal with when they're in the trenches, when they're in the middle of this family structure that need to be addressed. First of all, I want to talk to you about attention attention. It's like if you work maybe for a certain company and you have the proverbial person who always wants attention from other people, from the manager, from the boss, and they're doing all this stuff just to get this person's attention. This happens too in the family. Again, little children understand attention. They like attention. And well-meaning parents so often give their children too much attention. For example, think about oxygen. Oxygen is wonderful, but too much oxygen will kill you. Too many parents smother their kids. We have to be attentive to our kids. We have to study our kids. We obviously love our kids, but we love them enough to balance this this whole attention thing. Because if we're in their business all of the time, if we're always hovering over them, 
They never understand what it means to fail. They never understand what it means to crash through quitting points because they always have someone who's rescuing them. Attention. Scheduling is something else. When a baby comes home from the hospital, they learn at shockingly young ages how to cry, how to pout, how to manipulate to get their way. And that's a, that's a great thing. That's a cute thing. Wise parents, though, who follow God's corporate structure go, you know what? That's good for a couple of weeks, but now we're going to put you on a schedule. We are made for a schedule. God is a God of order, not chaos. So we began to put the baby down when we're ready, not when the baby's ready. But what if he cries? He cries so much. Crying has never killed a baby. Then he began to feed them, not when the child wants to be fed, but when the feeding works in the schedule you've set out for the baby. Then you teach them and you're training them, even when they're tiny, to leave. You, you, you teach and train them with responsibility, with accountability. They learn that whining and crying and being demand-fed ain't gonna work. Why do you think we have so many kids these days, teenagers these days, even, even adults these days who throw an absolute fit when they don't get their way? It goes back to parents who didn't follow God's corporate structure. Wise parents began to give their kids responsibilities at very, very young ages, picking up your toys, cleaning your rooms, making your beds, clearing the table, all those chores, that work ethic. And, and, and dads, we have to, because so often moms are the ones who are, who are saying all this, dads, we have to support our wives and the mother of our kids. We have to present a unified front. In the corporate world, you don't have anybody fragmented. If you do, the company is not gonna work. You've got to present a unified front. And when you deal with kids, maybe dad, you have a strong opinion, maybe mom, you have another opinion. Well, don't argue in front of the kids about it. Go to, to, to a place uh, uh, that's quiet where you guys can hash it out, then present a unified front because kids, when they try to take over the house, they try to divide and conquer. They'll play mom against dad. I remember one time where our twins asked Lisa something. It was about buying a certain coat, and she said no. Well, they came to me, snuggle up to me in my chair. Dad, we really want this particular coat. Please, dad, please. I'll take you shopping tomorrow, I said. So I went out against Lisa's directives and bought these coats for our twins. That sounds benign, sounds like no big deal. What did I do? 
I undermined the president of the young corporation. You can't do that. You have to present a united front. It can't be like, woo, Disneyland dad and disciplined mom. We have to team up together. And I understand that, that, that moms are gonna be more in the trenches, most will, when it comes to disciplinary practices. But we have to present unity. We have to present that strategy that God wants in our team family. So, so remember, your kids will try to take over your house. And if you're not strong, if you don't stand, if you allow yourself to slip and fall, if you don't have a corporate structure, they'll take it over and they'll run the show. And they'll use tears when they get older and drama and trauma to manipulate you for the latest technology, to manipulate you for that car, to manipulate you to go here, there, and yonder. You start the schedule now, I'm telling you, great things will happen. So attention, give them attention, but also allow them time alone to create and do what they need to do. One of the temptations these days is to allow technology to babysit. We just uh, say, here, here's some technology. And, and, and many kids spend hour after hour after hour after hour after hour after hour just staring into a computer screen or some other, some other uh, smartphone device. I think technology is great. The problem with technology is in many of our lives, it can become the tail that wags the dog and that dog can become a Doberman if you're not careful. So you have to balance technology. Uh, a friend of mine several years ago would actually collect technology before his kids would go to bed. He would have a certain time where all the kids would turn in their phones and that would be it. So I think collect technology is something really good. So attention, think about that, balance that. You have to give God attention. You have to give your spouse attention. You have to give your kids attention. But if you're giving your kids your undivided attention 24-7, you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're not becoming and not being the best parent that God desires. Also, if you think about bedtime, that's another issue I wanted to discuss with this, with this um, corporate structure. 51% of kids, 10 to 18, go to bed after 10 p.m., 60% of kids, 7 to 12, feel tired during the day. And 15% of kids fall asleep at school. Goes back to what I'm saying. When they're tiny, put them on a schedule. Put them down. Not when they're ready, when you're ready. Also, don't allow your kids to sleep with you, mom and dad. The Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled. Don't allow that. Because, because when you allow that, what are you doing? You are allowing them to be the CEO of the family. You're allowing them to run the show. Do it God's way. God's structure works. He set us up for success. I've been married for 35 years. We have adult children, 30, 
25 and twins who were 22. Are they perfect? Heck no. Do they love God? Yes. Do they love their, 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 their spouses? Yes. Are they involved in the church? Yes. Why? Well, one of the main reasons is that we understood a long time ago that our family is a corporation. We began to ask the question, what's our business and how's business? What's, what's our business? Our business is, is to understand the family is a supernatural structure. We regularly reiterate that to our kids. We show them and remind them of God's corporate structure. God is God. Marriage is marriage. Kids are kids. And it served us well. What is our business? It is to become full court followers of Christ. How's business? Regularly, we would have talks around bedtimes or mealtimes, which are great times when it comes to parenting. We would have talks about how are we doing as a family? Maybe we would have some kind of drama or, or backbiting or, 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 or arguments or whatever. And we would always say, when we would come to a resolve, we would always say, when we would have that time of unity and forgiveness, remember, we're a team. We are a family. Here's your homework as I about close this message down. Your homework is, I want you to, to write with your family a family mission statement. Lisa and our kids did this several years ago, and it was absolutely awesome. So go somewhere and write a family mission statement. Maybe you're single parent family, blended family situation. Maybe you're the typical nuclear family. Write, write a mission statement and allow and get your kids to weigh in and help you. I remember the first mission statement we wrote, our kids were much younger and, and we were going around talking about what's our family about? What, what are we going to do? And, and, and what does God want us to do? And, and, and we were talking about some things. And at the time, Lee Beth was 11. She raised her hand. She goes, uh, I want to say something. I said, let me hear it, Lee Beth. She said, dad and mom, if we didn't have a family, we wouldn't have an example. And I thought, wow, man, that is, that is great. And that's so, so true. God is our example. The way he loves, the way he is our perfect heavenly parent, the family of God. Then he's given moms and dads the opportunity and the mantle of example. We can be example to our kids. Then they grow and they do the same thing and you have this beautiful, beautiful corporate structure going on. So your homework is to write a family mission statement. Also too, it is to go through and make sure your employees, your shareholders know who is the CEO, who is the president, who, like for example, is the CFO, who, who, who does these responsibilities and roles. Each person, I believe, should have a job description. And, and that job description should, should be flowing, it should always be changing, but it's important for, for kids to know and for husbands to know and for wives to know, here, here are my responsibilities. Here is what I do. And for kids, here are the guidelines and guardrails because children want discipline. We're made for it. 
We're not made for a free-for-all. We're not made just to say, yeah, I'm reporting for work at Microsoft, but I have no idea what in the heck I'm supposed to do. That's not the way it is. God has an agenda for every single family. I talked to a guy a while back who's single, and he was saying, yeah, you know, when I have kids, and this, and this guy's not a follower of Christ. He goes, when I have kids, I might just, you know, when they're old enough, give them options like, you know, here's Christianity, here's Buddhism, here's Hinduism, and I'll, I'll sort of let them make up their own mind. Well, that, that really sounds sexy. The, the problem is it's chaotic. It's chaotic. You put, and I'll put, a Christian home up against any home anywhere in the world. There's something different about it because God ordained it. He set us up for success, not failure. God has put these parameters in our lives for greatness, not to rain on your parade or my parade, but I'm a living, walking, talking, breathing example that God's way works. I grew up in a Christian home, not a perfect home, but a home that, that followed the structure. By God's grace, I was able to replicate that home. And now I'm seeing through our adult children, I see them replicating homes like our home as they make their own home. God's way works. His corporate design is for success. And now I'm getting all of these returns on my investments, on my investment in following God, on my investment in keeping the church a priority, on my investment in the marriage, on my investment in the kids, on my investment in attention and scheduling and all of those things I've talked about. We're seeing the results of it. And when I get to heaven one day, wow, that's when I'll really be able to cash in. So... It's up to you. It's really up to you. You either follow God's structure, his corporate structure for success, or not. But all you have to do is look around and compare and contrast. And I think you'll see the difference that he makes. Your family is a corporation. Follow God's structure for success. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can talk so openly and honestly about the family. We thank you for the family. I pray your richest blessings upon the lives of every family member here. And I pray this message would be a catalyst, a life change, a template for many families to follow because God, it's simply your word and your way. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.